You are listening to a message from Mosaic Knox. For more information about our church, visit mosaicknox.org. Um, before we get started, I would be um, remiss not to mention the eight image bearers of God that were murdered this week in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, six of them whom were Asian American women. And part of us gathering as a body is both to rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who weep. And we have Asian American brothers and sisters who are weeping this week. And we mourn the realities of such a devastating and demonic act of violence. And we were reminded that no matter, no matter the motive, the kingdom of God is opposed to any kind of violence and any kind of objectification. Both will be thrown into the pit of darkness in the end. Now, I'm going to take a bit of a hard left here, so bear with me. Um, You know, we have been talking about the concept of formation, um, that we are formed as children of God. Um, And one of those pillars that we talk about is we are children, but we are not only children. Uh, Because if we were only children, then we would only care about ourselves, uh, which would really make us no different than any other institution in the entire world uh, that is very self-absorbed and self-serving. But we, in fact, are actually missionaries. Uh, we exist uh, for not only for ourselves, but for others outside of this church and outside of this particular body. And we are missionaries because we believe that God is a missionary God. Uh, and if you have grown up in the South at all, and if you are familiar with the lingo and language of Christianese, then you are probably familiar with the term evangelism. And when I say that particular word, I am sure that most of you immediately have chills run down your spine. You experience some type of religious PTSD or there is some image that comes to your mind that you can't shake because that is the power of a single story. Um, It is probably the one word that most people in this room would wish they could take out of the English language. Uh, Especially in my generation, right? The one thing that you cannot do is actually try and change someone's outlook on themselves, other people, and ultimately God. Uh, That is one, if not the only, uh, singular besetting sin of my generation. And now when I say the word evangelism, I am sure that inevitably there is an image that comes to your mind. However, I want to do something today that I think will hopefully bring the temperature in the room down as it relates to that particular activity. Um, there are people in this room who are would probably not consider themselves evangelists, and maybe they wouldn't consider themselves great at evangelizing, but evangelism, evangelism is not something that they do. It has become a part of who they are. Um, so instead of preaching a sermon on evangelism, I want to bring up a few people who model this well and let them share what their experiences are as it relates to this concept. And I hope their stories in some small way can 
begin to demystify the idea of evangelism as not something you do, but rather the kind of person that you are. Because ultimately, God is the God of invitation. And like Philip did to Nathaniel, the invitation is really, really simple. It's just come and see. Come and see. Come and investigate for yourself who the real Jesus is. Who this God who has come, who had the audacity to come and live among us and die so that we might have life. So, Brady and Catherine, if you all want to come up here. Hey, yeah, so we are not um, experts at evangelism by any means, but we Wesley asked us to share our experience of our time in Atlanta and Buckhead, actually, um, probably less than a mile from where those events some of those events happened earlier this week. But so we worked with a, a ministry in Atlanta called Apartment Life. And so what Apartment Life is, is a faith-based business. And so they're all over the U.S. now. They're actually, they've expanded to Knoxville. So if anyone hears this and is like, oh, that sounds interesting, um, talk to us about it. But so they are, like I said, they're, they're openly faith-based, but they're also a business. So they come along uh, alongside apartment complexes or communities um, to help uh, build community, essentially, from the business perspective. Um, that is why they get hired. And so building community lowers um, turnover rate, and that's a major expense for apartments. And so they send teams like us into apartment complexes to live there, help build community by putting on a few, in our case, three events per month, um, which would be like a pancake breakfast or uh, popsicles about the pool or, you know, just some kind of party, St. Patrick's Day like, party. We're like RAs for the apartment complex, basically. Yeah. <laughs> help you so, understand. yeah. And um, anything else to add there in general? Um, welcome new residents. Yeah, we welcome new residents. Um, pretty much just to be there, be present. And so that's kind of the business aspect. You know, you're building community there and that's great. Um, but also to share the gospel. Um, and not just to be friendly face, but to literally, you know, share the gospel with the residents. Um, and through building relationships is the way that, that we did that. Um, so yeah, so that is kind of apartment life in general. Yeah. So we did apartment life for two years, but it kind of trained us and set us up well for life now when we're living in a house in a neighborhood. But um, so when we started Apartment Life, it set us up really well. One, because financially we had a really reduced rent. So that's why we lived in Buckhead, which is a very wealthy part of Atlanta. So we had a lot of really wealthy neighbors, um, but we were like snuck in there. Um, but yeah, so it, it set us up well in that way, but also just we had been in ministry before on the same team on a college campus, but we had not as a couple. And so we had we got married in um, December 2015, and then we moved into this, into this apartment complex. And um, we learned how to engage with neighbors and minister together and kind of learn, like, what this looks like as the Evans um, and, like, <laughs> what our strengths and weaknesses are as a couple talking to people and drawing them out and helping them feel cared for and loved. Um, one of the things that they wanted us to do through apartment life was we had reporting to kind of explain each month, like, what went on. And one of the things that they wanted us to really pay attention to was raising our faith flags, which basically means, like, bringing up in conversation that you're a believer. So, like, 
if you are talking to somebody and you have an opportunity to just mention something that would indicate that you're a person of faith and that you are willing to engage with them on a deeper level, pray for them, invite them to come along with you to church or a Bible study or something, um, which I think was valuable for us because I feel like right now it's kind of cool to like show people that you love them first and show them that like you're you're worthy of a friendship and then kind of like surprise I'm actually a Christian because um, people are afraid to to be to be seen as hypocritical but I think it was really helpful for us to see like from the beginning we're gonna let people know like this is who we are and that also holds us accountable to be loving towards them in the future um, one of the things that was helpful for us to see as we were learning our strengths and weaknesses was that like Brady was really good. Brady can just like walk up to anybody and talk to them and say hi and have no reason to. And I feel really awkward doing that. And so I would be sitting in our apartment on the ground level watching all of our neighbors in the courtyard with their dogs. And I would want to go out and talk to them. But I was like, that's super weird because I don't have any reason to. So I was like, we got to get a dog. So four months into our marriage, we've got a dog. And all of our meaningful relationships um, that came out of that two years were, were either started through like an interaction with our dog or um, what's the word? Like they were like obsessed. They helped <laughs> people were obsessed, but they helped us. Like our dog really helped us build these relationships. So um, if you're thinking about getting a dog, go for it. Um, but it also took, like, I was home a lot more than he was. And it was like, I could take my dog out and let him go to the bathroom and walk him and not talk to anybody and go back inside, which is what I would want to do. But instead, I could use that time to actually talk to people and engage and see the same people at 4.30 every day, also taking their dogs out. So that was kind of a training time for me. Um, and then also, I think that it set us up well for our marriage because we were experiencing joy together in having a marriage that was like outward focused, especially in those first few years. Um, so that set us up really well, too. Yeah. And so I want to talk about some of the things that in that were really that we found to be successful, but um, understanding too that uh, this is apartment life, like it's this bubble that you're, you're placed into and so it's different. So what can we pull out of that that's helpful? So some of the things that doing apartment life that we would say were kind of key factors to being successful were simply being present, being available, um, and consistency. And so um, what, what, so some examples of that for us would be um, uh, a couple of couples I'll talk about. So Maddie and Mauricio were some people that, that we met. We met Maddie doing an event. So we were doing, I think it was like a hot dog and hamburger barbecue when in Atlanta there was a just downpour in the middle of the summer. So it started raining, ruined the event. But Maddie was one of the people that um, helped us recover and like throw everything inside. And so that's how we got, got to know her anyway. So she helped us. She helped bonding. us. It we was a, it was a failure, way. but then we got to meet Maddie. Yeah. And so Maddie is this um, extremely successful young professional had moved down to D from DC to Atlanta. Um, and her husband, her husband, Mauricio, um, same thing. So, but they were really just desperate for friendship. Um, and we, so we got to know them. We would go to their house to have dinner. They had a dog and that was also a big part of it. They loved Pablo. Um, but in, in spending time, seeing them walking our dog, seeing them when they're coming in their door and we're going out of ours, being intentional to remember, okay, we're, we're here at 
our apartment was Post Gardens. We're here at Post Gardens for a reason. Um, and so let's be intentional, which was kind of be something that I hope that we can all think, you know, our commission from the Lord should be a lot greater than the commission from apartment life. But having that in the back of your mind helped, you know, not waste those opportunities. So each time you're passing a neighbor is an opportunity to say, hey, um, like currently now we're talking about how this applies to where we live in a neighborhood. And we've learned if you tell your neighbor, hey, come over here, they will. And so, <laughs> and, and then we've got Chandler K, our two little girls now. And so we, they, our neighbors love talking to them anyway. So it's like very easy to use those opportunities and instead of just saying, hey, say, hey, what, something, just throw something out there. But so, and it's, so it's building those relationships. So Maddie and Mauricio, we would, we'd see them often and then we would have dinner with them and they, this type of conversations that started to come up then were, Maddie would take walks with Catherine and ask her about happiness. Like, so often, like that was her main thing. Like, how do you, how do you think you be, like you become happy? Or um, Mauricio started going to a, class at a Catholic church to learn about kind of like the tenets of the faith. And um, that was kind of their background. So we'd have dinner and we, and they would, they would, they knew we were Christians, um, right? Because we were upfront about that, but um, we had built that friendship and then they wanted to know our opinion on, on that type of yeah. thing they were dealing with. And I don't know if they became a believer. So it's not this um, great success story, but I think it was successful in that we were able to have these conversations with them. Um, and I would say really not because we were so awesome, but just because we engaged in relationships. And same thing with this couple, Priya and Vishal. So they were obsessed with Pablo, and that was the really. probably the main, the only reason we became friends with them. So they would, they would uh, watch Pablo when we went out of town. They'd watch Pablo when we were in town. Yeah. They, they would like request him for the weekend. <laughs> yeah. Like, so, but we got to know them and, and they shared a ton. They're both from India, um, have lived in the U.S. at that time for probably about 10 years. And um, <clears throat> really a lot of fun. And they, well, same thing, dinners, going to the movies. Um, and this was a picture from a, an Indian festival in Atlanta. It's the, the largest one. They call it Indian prom. And so they got us all dressed up. I was actually wearing one of Vishal's suits from his wedding. And <laughs> Catherine's wearing one of Priya's saris. So it's just same, similar to Maddie and Mauricio. We um, spent time with them. We had dinner with them. We would have conversations. They, we went to a religious festival. So it's like, of course, they want to know like, kind of what we think about that. You know, they want to know our thoughts from going there. And we have questions. And it just engages in this dialogue um, so much different than the picture of evangelism that um, I have, at least, of someone standing on the corner or stopping you in your busy day to ask you if you know Jesus. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. just very different. Um, oh, oh, yep, so... Yeah, this is a picture of me with a bunch of kids. There were also a bunch of like latchkey kids that lived in the apartment complex whose parents would still work and they would play in the um, courtyard. And so I would just go out there with Pablo and play. But this is after an event. They were helping me take pizza boxes to the dumpster. So anyway, it was just like this. This was like a very 
I don't know, it felt like this is a very normal thing in our life as we were like one year married with no children, but we hung out with all these kids all the time. Um, and then this is uh, the dog, like these are dog party friends. Um, this is like Shiner and Pepper and Pablo. And of course we like, we're good friends with their parents, <laughs> parents. Um, but this is Jaclissa in the picture who, it's not a great picture. She doesn't smile very much. So it's actually a pretty accurate picture of her. Um, but she and I became really good friends and she was just another person who came to an event. And I think what we found was that people are really lonely. So she lived with her boyfriend who traveled like five days a week, every week. Um, he worked for PwC accounting and, and she was just at home alone with her dog. And I was at home alone with my dog a lot because Brady ended up traveling and we just ended up forming a really deep friendship and had some really sweet conversations and um, just talked about our faith and relationship with God and prayer. And she ended up coming to Bible study with us a few times and meeting our friends from church. And it just became this kind of cool she just kind of fit in a little bit. And she was the first person I told I was pregnant with Chandler Kate, um, except for Brady. So because she's who I, who I was with. And so it's like, it's just really sweet to see. I would have never become friends with her either. Um, but just this uh, being part of apartment life took us to a place where we were like, okay, we have to be intentional about this because it's our job. But now that we're out of it, it's like, actually, we um, should do this all the time because we love Jesus and we want other people to know him and we want and we are called to witness and bring others into his kingdom. And so we don't have a lot of like dramatic stories of people coming to know the Lord in that two years, but we do see the Lord put people in our lives and we were very specifically there and they were very specifically there. And we do believe that he was working in their hearts and also we could have probably been more faithful with what he gave us. And so that's another thing that I reflect on often is like, okay, like maybe if we had been a little bit more intentional in what we actually talked about with whoever, but I can also trust God that he's the one who brings the growth um, and he's the one who brings the fruit. But yeah, just kind of a, it was an interesting season of seeking to be intentional, but also learning and seeing ways that we can grow and doing that and how we can take it with us. So um, yeah. So, yeah, and then just to kind of tie it all up, um, some things that we learned that I think we apply now is we are in a totally different stage of life, but it, so now it's, we don't have events where we can, you know, engage with people, um, not quite the same. So it's a, like more of a creating intersections with um, other people where we are, you know, where you're going to the park or at the same time. So let's go with these people or... I still, uh, in our neighborhood, I'll go next door to our elderly neighbor's house and knock on their door. And it's like, who does that? But we do. And they love it. If you have a dog or a baby with you, people typically will answer the door. Yeah. We don't know what to do if you don't, but. Apartment life. <laughs> apartment life said to turn profile. So then when they see you through a peephole, it's less intimidating. But, um, <laughs> we also had a lot of people not answer the door. Like there was yeah. a lot of failed anyway. But. <laughs> but so now to wrap up, so it's a creating margin or creating um, those intersections, but being intentional with your time. You know, I know we fail a lot probably just by saying, you know, let's just watch Netflix or whatever and um, let's come home from work and stick to ourselves. But my, so yesterday, uh, my, yesterday evening, my granddad passed away. 
Um, and it's just another, he was in his, he was in his night, he was 93 and it was peaceful. And so we think, you know, we feel good about that, but it got us thinking about and talking about his life and, um, and just what do you bring with you? What can you take with you? Um, your career success, your, your shows, you know, or relationships and, I think it's probably relationships. Um, but so my encouragement would be to be intentional, um, but that it's not difficult to engage with people. And that's all, you know, I think that's it. Like spend time with the Lord and then engage with people would be our our takeaway for you. <laughs> Thanks. Hi. Um I'm James Anderson. This is my wife, Lauren. Um, And we are both teachers. Um, And that has uh, relevance because that's kind of what we're going to focus on a little bit um, of kind of the context where we find ourselves um, all the time uh, is for me with high schoolers. Uh, I'm an English teacher in a high school, uh, Knox County Schools uh, High School called Career Magnet Academy. It's a very small school that most people haven't heard of. Um, and uh, I talk with 16 and 17 year olds all the time, um, all day. And uh, in that, if you remember what it was like to be 16 and 17, um, there's a lot of trying to figure out everything, um, who you are, how to deal with uh, difficulty, how to deal with breakups, um, how to deal with uh, <laughs> suffering in the world, and how can I save the world um, uh, is a lot of times what ha- comes up, or um, why is there suffering, or why is there injustice, and how can a God be a good God, and um, so a lot of those kind of questions circling around my classroom all the time. Um, people trying on different hats and different ways of making sense of the world, um, and so that's kind of my job is to help them think through some things and hopefully communicate better and hear other ideas and read good literature, an English teacher. Um, But in that, uh, as a public school teacher, we have uh, certain limitations on the ways that we engage, and that's a good thing, Um, that as a teacher-student relationship is a very particular relationship, and there are boundaries to our conversations and our relationship. Again, that's a good thing. Um, But uh, we, a few years ago, had this idea of potentially extending those outside the classroom um, and inviting students more into our lives. Um, And so... uh, And by by we had that idea, that means James had that idea. That's right. And Lauren was very resistant to hanging out with scary teenagers over my summer break, is, is what he meant when he said that. Right, so I, I coerced my wife into joining me in this okay. experiment. Um, and that's really what it's been the whole time. We have no idea what we're doing. Um, and we uh, have started to invite some students over uh, to our house um, to hang out on our back porch. Um, and we jokingly called it, um, there it is. There's our porch. Yeah, there's our porch. Uh, we jokingly called it Anderson Academy, just as like a name placeholder and it like never went away, it sort of stuck. Um, And so uh, we found ourselves uh, continuing conversations that I was already having in my classroom with relationships with 
all these all these teenagers were in my class. Um, I taught them theater and English, um, and we hung out a lot. Um, but now the the kind of what I would tell them is, well, if you want to come and hear what I really think um, or ask honest questions and engage much more openly and we'll listen to what you think too. Um, and uh, they started showing up. So um, that was kind of neat. Uh, we, uh, we basically would meet, I guess that's what Anderson Academy is. We would meet in the summers um, when students are bored and sick of their video games and um, have nothing else to do. And so they would come to our house um, and we fretted over things that we thought mattered like snacks. Yeah. I was very obsessed about the snacks and thinking that was important and that wasn't important. I think they never ate a single snack. No. For them. Um, um, and we would spend probably two hours after they would leave going over all the things we should have said, the things we shouldn't have said, that we pushed too far, that we didn't engage. Every and, time. And think no one's coming back. We've ruined this. And they kept showing up. Mm -hmm. um, and I think the thing that I loved is in inviting them into our home, into our porch, James was kind of inviting me into his life and his students. And these scary teenagers started to become less scary and more endearing. And we just kind of fell in love with them and fell in love with their questions and it just gave us so much hope for the future but also put a fire in us to say there is truth that they're seeking and yeah. they're asking us questions so let's answer mm -hmm. and the the thing that the kids loved was James would always say you don't have to call me Mr. Anderson here you can call me James and so to watch these kids go J Mr. Uh, 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 <laughs> James <laughs> They still favorite. call Mr. Anderson. All yeah, the time. yeah, um, yeah, and and in that, yeah, I think that's exactly right. We basically were inviting them into our lives to, and sharing our lives with them. Um, and what we're, I think, one of the things that a lot of times people ask, especially I don't know, in church circles, with me as a as a public school teacher, like, you know, what is what is it like in public schools, and how can like are are the kids going to make it? Um, yeah, they are. Um, they're going to be fine. Um, and uh, there's many of my students have unbelievable families, unbelievable church communities, um, great spaces uh, where they've seen people love sacrificially, um, them and each other around them. And some of them have less of that. Um, and so uh, I find that um, th my role oftentimes is being... Um, an adult, I call myself an adult, sometimes I feel that way, um, being an adult in kids' spaces where a lot of times there aren't adults. Um, and so they're processing these things, trying to understand who they are, what they think, what, how to make sense of the world around them. And a lot of them are getting great wisdom from the, uh, the other people around them and hopefully scripture. Um, but a lot of them are just kind of raising each other. And it's a lot of kids talking in small, isolated bubbles. And so we've just invited them to kind of have your bubble on my porch. Um, and we got at least two adults in the room. And then we started inviting other adults. Um, so Tommy came. Tommy came. Yeah. She <laughs> Recruited came. Tommy. Uh-huh. She came for basically the second year we did it. Um, and then... Uh, 
we had some other people, like there's a, someone from our old Bible study there from North. Um, we, my parents came. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we called that the day of, I think we, we said like, let's talk about racism, but with old people. Um, <laughs> so that's what we did is we talked about everything. So nothing was off limits. Um, and uh, we listened. Um, I think that's what we really started to learn is that the snacks don't matter. Uh, the curriculum has changed like crazy. Uh, and doesn't matter. And doesn't matter. They just want to be listened to. Yeah. They're thirsty to, um, one, they're, they're teenagers, so they're thirsty to, to say what they think all the time, but really they're thirsty for someone to listen and just to acknowledge that they're thinking. Um, and so we try to do that. And oftentimes they start asking us what we think and asking to then we from this then we've continued to grow in our relationships with them so I get um, coffee with Brian still um, two years out and we started journaling together and having zoom meetings um, and talking about what we're writing because he's a really good writer way better than me Um, and then we uh, I've had a bunch of conversations at Waffle House afterwards, uh, follow-up conversations about a million things. Um, some some of the guys in here got to join me in a morning Bible study with a few people, um, a few of the guys in the, from that group. Lauren started meeting with a couple girls for uh, to kind of mentor them, and um, they read through, I think, the book of John. Mm-hmm. Um, we read a couple other books and stuff with them, and it's just kind of ongoing not, there is no end. And that's kind of the thing. Um, we don't see it as a transaction. Um, we just are continuing a thing, a relationship. Um, so we did not start Anderson Academy to share Jesus. Um, that wasn't really forefront of our minds. Our, our, we were continuing relationships. But if you're going to get to know me, you're going to get to know my wife and you're gonna to get to know my kids, and you're gonna to get to know what's important in my life and what's foundational, and you're gonna to get to know Jesus, hopefully. Mm-hmm. And so that comes out in conversations like crazy in Anderson Academy. Um, uh, yeah, we've also got a fleet of babysitters now. Those are the other school. pictures. Yeah. Which that's the other thing that's sweet is they come to watch our kids and then you hear about the guy that broke up with them. You hear right. about the mean math teacher, you hear about, their family life and their fight with their mom. And it becomes more than just, we're paying you to watch our kid. It becomes, you're a part of our life. You're an Anderson. You're watching our kid and we're hearing your stories. And it's just been a sweet realization for me that teenagers aren't scary. And also to realize that it's just about listening and that's, and they're pretty great. Mm -hmm. So there it is. (laughs) Two of Coop's favorites. That's right. Okay, I'm last up. I'm Sarah Grace Mills. If you don't know me, I'm married to Wesley. So it's been, I really love hearing just the different ways that people evangelize. And I think it's like what Catherine said, your weaknesses, just seeing your weaknesses and also seeing God turn your weaknesses into strengths, um, especially as it uh, pertains to sharing Jesus. And that's kind of what I'm going to talk about. My story of evangelism is very much 
one that has shown uh, my weakness to be strength through the Lord. So when I was in college, um, I studied abroad in Granada, Spain, my junior year. And I had started really walking with the Lord like a year before then. And so when I went to Granada, the first thing I did was look up a local church and Spain is 2% Protestant evangelical. So there were literally only two churches and one was like 45 minutes away and one was 20 minutes away. So that's the one that I went to. And it was a teeny tiny church again, because most people in Spain, if they have religious affiliation, it's Catholic. Um, And it's a very different even kind of Catholic than American Catholic. So the church that I went to is maybe, maybe a hundred people. And the way that those people just were not afraid to tell people who Jesus was, was like nothing I had ever seen ever. So that's kind of like a back backdrop for what was going on in my life. And, um, so one of the other students in my study abroad program, his name is Tom. Um, actually I think, okay, this is, these are people that went to my church. Um, so one of the other guys in my uh, study abroad program was named Tom and he's an American as well. And so Tom and I had gotten to be really good friends and we were just having lots of conversations about life and God in general. And one day, um, Tom was like, Hey Sarah, I think we should study the Bible together. And again, I had been like walking with the Lord, maybe a year at that point, did really not feel confident at all in my faith. And I actually said no. So, um, not a model Christian on that, that this is where I'm talking about my weaknesses here. So I said, no, cause I was like, I don't know really anything about the Bible. I'm not going to be able to answer your questions. Um, just was really lacking self-confidence and he was, we were good friends by that point. And he was like, I don't think Christians are allowed to say no. And I was like, mm, okay, well, like, just so you know, I'm not gonna have any answers. And he's like, I just need someone to read it with me. So I went to, um, I wonder if I can zoom in. Oh shoot. I can't. Oh no. Okay. This girl on the right, Emily, she was doing a year, um, with InterVarsity. So InterVarsity in Europe. And she came down to Granada and she was like super excited that Tom had asked me to read the Bible with her and or with me. And she had recommended I read this book called Out of the Salt Shaker and Into the World, which is a book that's like from the 80s. And it's amazing. I would highly recommend it. So basically, Becky Pippert wrote the book and she was like, just don't freak out. Just open the Bible, read it and ask them what they think. Um, Don't pressure them. Don't have the right answers. Just read. So that's what we started doing. So every week, uh, Tom and I would go to like a cafe and read some of the Bible. And every single week I left crying usually because I didn't have any of the right answers. And Tom was like asking really complicated questions. And I would go home and email. This time I was at Fellowship Middlebrook. So I was like emailing Greg Pinker and he wasn't responding. (laughs) I wonder why. (laughs) Uh, Like (laughs) I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what I was doing. And it was just like pretty crushing week to week, right? But I was still showing up. And um, so one, one day, Tom and I were reading in Matthew and it was the parable of the sower. And, you know, the sower sowing seed on uh, good soil and bad soil and, and all of that. And the, Jesus explains the parable and he's like, the, the seed, uh, the bad sown, seed is sown by the devil. So Tom's like, um, I think I'm sown by the devil. <laughs> and I was like, 
I don't know if you are or not. And, he, and I didn't have an answer for him. I literally didn't know how to answer that question. Um, so I went home and like cried a lot that night. It was actually like, that was probably a miss. I probably shouldn't have, I probably should have interjected and been like, no, that's not true. Um, but so this was like probably the lowest point of all of our weeks together. And Tom went home that night and watched a Case for Christ YouTube uh, and he became a Christian. <laughs> so I told a guy that I didn't know if the devil created him or not. And he became a Christian that night. <laughs> and that is how God works. And I really like <laughs> truly mean that I had no right answers. I showed up week after week. I even couldn't like interject a pretty theologically like necessary thing. Um, to say, and he still came to know the Lord. And from that moment on, when we would read scripture, he understood it. Um, he started sharing the gospel. It was like, it was the craziest thing I've ever seen. It just made sense to him and it was the Holy Spirit. So I got to literally watch the Holy Spirit enter into his life. And so this is Tom in the middle. And Tom actually invited this guy on the right, Brett, um, to join us. So this, that's my, me with my little ESV that was freshly purchased. Um, <laughs> didn't know a lot about that book at the time. Uh, so flash forward to now, or uh, flash forward to when I got back to the United States, um, I had just had this crazy experience where I did nothing and one of my close friends came to know the Lord. So it took a lot of fear. It takes a lot of fear away from someone when you do nothing and they come to know Jesus. Um, and I had a lot of friends who didn't, who grew up with a very different faith backgrounds than me. So I asked a friend of mine um, if she would be willing to do like a seeker Bible study with me and just start asking people about their faith. And we came across something called Explore God. Oh, this is, oh, that's actually an updated um, photo of her out of the salt shaker. The, the one I read looked way more 80s than that. So Explore God is on the right and it goes through the seven big questions of faith. Um, I think maybe even just seven big questions in the world. The first one is like, what is the purpose of life? Is there a God? Why is there pain and suffering? That kind of thing. And it would show a two minute clip of lots of different perspectives. People will talk about it. And then a 10 minute clip from a Christian perspective and people will talk about it. But the entire goal is that the Christians would just listen and really allow people to interact with lots of different perspectives. So we use that with a bunch of our friends in college, um, anywhere from eight to 15 people would come every week and we would just listen. And truly my goal was that I was coming to really walk with Jesus closely and wanted to know what my friends thought about the world. Kind of like what James is saying, like, if you know me, you're going to know about Jesus. And if I know about you, then I should be knowing about what your spiritual beliefs are. Um, so at the end of the seven weeks, our friends asked us like, well, what's next week? And we're like, oh, there isn't a next week. <laughs> so we started coming up with different discussions every week. And it, what turned, what came from seven weeks turned into four months, turned into the entire school year. And by the end of the year, we were reading the Bible. And I don't have like a dramatic story from that experience, but it was hugely pivotal in my life to read the Bible with people that had never read it before. And we're asking things like, when Jesus is tempted in the desert by the devil and he goes to the next mountain, did they teleport? Like 
It's a really good question. Um, and a question that I think should be asked in churches more often. So it just was really authentic. Um, and so that was in college and I do explore God now still, but it's looked a little different this year because of the pandemic. But um, where I see my weakness on display in evangelism is I have always really struggled with some dark seasons of doubt, which sounds scary to admit as a pastor's wife up here, but I have the, the doubt that I've experienced in my life gives me so much compassion for people who don't know um, what they believe and who really struggle to take Christianity at face value. So in the last few years, some of uh, the friends that I've made in our neighborhood and just in my life in general have really deconstructed faith. So as opposed to my friends in college that didn't ever have a Christian background, the friends that I'm kind of in conversation with now have left the church. And through what I have told myself is a weakness of doubt, God has actually shown to prove his strength through that because um, I just really can empathize. And so Explore God Now looks a lot more like having them listen to a Christian perspective and talk about their honest, like emotions, like memories of, you know, when they were younger growing up in church or just how things land on them now, what has happened to them in relationship with Christians and parsing through that and giving people a safe space to talk about what it's like to live in Knoxville and question your faith. So that's my, my little story of evangelism. And I just am so encouraged to see the way when we were talking about doing this, he, see how God uses everyone so differently for the difference in our kingdom and his kingdom. Um, yeah, that's all. Apartment, um, workplace, where you play with your friends. Um, it just, the kingdom of God is breaking in at all levels, and it is a sweet thing. So let me pray, and then we will close out the song. Jesus, you have come. You are the message of healing and hope and salvation for us, for our neighbors. And it is a great joy to partner with you in that and see you work. Help us change the metrics from not just a, um, a conversion per se, but rather obedience, faithfulness, the things you are stirring in us and calling us to do. Uh, that is how the kingdom is built. And we praise you for how you're working and continue to work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. If you want more information about our church, please visit us online at mosaicnox.org.